0: Hey there, and welcome to Nice Work, a podcast at the Super Nice Club where we're focused on one thing, which is making the world a nicer place. And dang, if we don't need it right now. I'm looking at the news today, and the French are killing bus drivers for making them wear masks. That's just terrifying. The Chinese, they're still sterilizing ethnic minorities, business as usual in the Borg Empire and in the USA. We've got Betsy DeVos and a whole mess of other not nice issues, which is why it's so great to bring to you today the antidote, famed multidisciplinary and disciplined artist, Stuart Semple. Stuart's an artist. He's an activist. He's a deep thinker, and his wonderful work teases at political issues, class divides, loneliness, happiness, and the fear of both. He's one of the first artists to really leverage the internet and his impact has him favorably compared to some of my favorites like Damien Hirst and Ai Weiwei. He's, he's even helped launch, in his generosity, the career of sculptor Anish Kapoor, who he found homeless in a London subway. He, he noticed the older man had this aptitude for creating wildly inventive cardboard sleeping shelters. And after carefully nursing him back to health by hand, one spoonful of nourishment at a time, he paid for Kapoor's education at the Chelsea School of Art and Design. How incredibly nice is that? And the rest, as they say, as far as Kapoor's really amazing uh, career goes, is history. I mean, that's not entirely true about Kapoor, but I think while it might be factually a little lacking, it's totally on point emotionally. Or maybe it's total bullshit what I just said, but it doesn't matter. I'm I'm riffing this intro. I'm trying to find a segue into this quote that I love by Aidan Duane in the Irish Times. I'm going to read it. It Sums up Stuart really well. Okay. There is a real intelligence at the heart of his art. On the one hand, he clearly embraces the throwaway, famous for 15-minute soundbite culture of celebrity and distraction. On the other, he stops it in its tracks, recasting its giddy imagery in the slow, fixed medium of paint. He might seem to celebrate it, but he actually doesn't quite trust the world of mass production and communications. His work implies a conviction that there is, or perhaps there better be, something genuine, something real, beyond the glam facade of throwaway culture. Stuart Semple is the nicest, sweetest guy. He's just so warm, and his mission is so genuine to unite people, to knock down class barriers, to unify the beach, and just make people happier through art. He, he might be our super nicest guest yet. And, and I know you're going to love him. So just turn off everything else. Tune out the rest of the world. And drop in to nice work with Stuart Semple. Oh, and I'm, I'm your host, Todd Berlin. Stuart Semple, you are on. Nice work. I'm really, really, really glad to have you on. Thank you so much for being here this morning.
1: Thank you. Well, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. And where are you at right now? Where are you sitting? I'm, I'm sitting in my house on the south coast of England, about 10 minutes away from the beach.
0: Nice. That sounds lovely right now. Are the beaches, are there people there? What are, what are, the de- what are they doing at the beaches?
1: Oh, overcrowding the beaches. This is the big news story this week. We had half a million people on Bournemouth Beach the other day. Um, So they got evicted off the beach by the police and sent home uh, as it was a national emergency that everyone was going to get coronavirus. So I think they've gone home. So hopefully the beaches are quite quiet.
0: So you, my fine new friend, I, I want to get into like your backstory a little bit, but what I love about what really draws me to you and the sort of what I call a sort of a category of artists you are is that you're an artist and you're an activist. I find that really rare. Always have. I've always found it too rare in the art world, artists mm. who are pushing for change. So I appreciate that. But what I want to know is when you were young, what pulled at you first did you did you did you recognize sort of social injustices and, and or, or social issues and then, say, "Ooh, I want to create some art to address that. Or did you come to art and then that allowed you to sort of uh, have a, a greater perspective into the world around you? And maybe it was yeah. neither one. It's kicking off
1: the conversation. Yeah. No, I think think it was two things at the same time. So in England, we have a very defined class system, right? Um, You have the high class, the middle class, and the lower class. And I was born in a lower class family. So um, I was in a very poor environment, a very bad upbringing, and um, there was no real future where I lived. So I could see the difference between the haves and the have-nots, those that were allowed in and those that were excluded. Um, And I felt that every day of my childhood. But I also went to Catholic school. And at the Catholic school, we were talking about sharing and caring and how everyone's the same and treat everyone like yourself. But in Catholicism, there's a lot of art. There's a lot of images. There's a lot of paintings around. There's a lot of sculptures. And people would stare at these things, almost pray to them like they were a way out, like they were important. So art had an importance. And um, this disparity between people um, was really clear really early on and it was always something I wanted to do something about.
0: That's uh there's a quote that I read by you uh, that addresses it so perfectly I love it just you just said it's lovely to see the art world opening up and becoming more inclusive and accessible but sadly there's a hell of a long way to go when it comes to class. And again I think it's what I so appreciate is class issues have, have been so important to me the class issues being at the heart of so much of the of the other divides what what part of england did you grow up in and was that the case were you in sort of a, a segregated area
1: um it's a very, well on the south coast of england but where i live is really interesting i've come back here i lived in london for a long time and then i came back here um but there's a big long beach and at one end of the beach is the poorest people in the whole of the country just unbelievable poverty. And at the other end of the beach is the richest uh part of the country. So it's called sandbanks. It's more expensive than anywhere else in the world. All the footballers live there, the celebrities. John Lennon's granny lives there, you know, like um so within six miles of beach you see utter desperation and unbelievable extreme wealth. Um and I lived somewhere in the middle <laughs> of those two.
0: How is there a, is there a division, or does it just sort of gradually uh, you know the, the the clothing labels change you know every quarter of a mile until you
1: know- yeah, it's a bit like that, and then you're kind of like, hang on a minute, should I be here?" And down the other end, when I was a teenager, you know I got beaten up quite badly when I was like I't know 17 mm-hmm. In broad daylight, just just brutally assaulted um, you know it's, it's rough it's rough down there um so yeah it just kind of shifts
0: it's just more of a social pressure that keeps people divided just the, oh um, yeah yeah
1: yeah not, so it's not, not
0: a barrier. Not, not
1: like no. a fancy
0: hotel you can't cross
1: here no it's not like there's a house, specific housing estate or a project or anything like that it's just that's where it is and it's just grown out of that since like the 80s i think it's it's an architectural thing as well. they
0: in their lane, don't they?
1: Well, they, they do, but quite often they don't have the opportunity not to. And, um, and this, is, this, is the, this is the real issue, isn't it, is um, creating access to other environments.
0: Thank you for the perfect segue into something that's very new, that's on your plate right now. And I, I think you just shut down the fundraising for it, but the VOMA. The oh, company. yeah. Online access available to all the world's great works of art, from the from the classics to the hyper contemporary. Talk about Voma a little bit.
1: Um, well, Voma is the world's first virtual online museum of art. And what it is, is it works just like a normal museum. So it's like visiting the Tate or MoMA, but it happens to run in your web browser. And it's a completely immersive experience. Like, you're really in this thing. The trees blow in the wind. The light of the time of day affects the light that comes into the space. You walk around, you look at the work, you converse with people from all over the world about things. But more than that, it doesn't just show the same old boring... Art that real museums are forced to show for financial reasons because they've got trustees, they've got donors, they've got people to please. So we have this ability to show work and have dialogues around art in loads of different ways across history. So we can have great artworks from the past alongside things that people made yesterday in different parts of the world. So we can start to hear voices of artists that have never been brought together before. And that's what I'm really keen to do. And then open it up to everybody anyone, anywhere in the world with a phone or a computer can come they don't need to travel they don't need to buy a ticket they don't need to know anything about art they don't need to be scared of this um elitist high art environment it's somewhere that just feels familiar and that feels safe
0: yeah you guys should check this thing out go to stewartsample.com, look for the the voma the voma link there's a video on it. it's it's uh it's hard to describe in a, in a podcast, but you know, you think maybe you have an idea of what a virtual art museum, like, Oh yeah, I've seen virtual galleries that no, 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 this is a whole different thing. The team that, that Stuart is working with, uh, the architect, you know, like an actual architect and these, these, um, computery people, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. they're good with the computery things. It truly is. It looks from the teasers really immersive and really incredible. And, and, just the idea that we could get people from anywhere in the world to have access to looking at at being inspired in this way it's different than you're probably imagining it you need to go to the website check out Voma, and get behind this thing because thank you it's great yeah Mm. well it looks great don't disappoint
1: it's even better now because what you're saying is a couple of months (laughs) old so i just looked at the latest one about half an hour ago and oh it's so nice it's so special yeah
0: yeah you the the building itself didn't didn't what is her name emily you know, man you know, emily man yeah, Mann. yeah mm-hmm. she built she actually designed a museum as if she were designing a museum to be but it looks like it right the same level yeah, yeah. of cad your how channel, the light comes
1: that. in and
0: yeah and it's it beautiful now is, you is are you going to walk around it will it be a little okay. like um
1: So these are the big questions that we've wrestled with a lot. And um, we we decided not to have any avatars at the moment because how do I present myself? What hair do I have? It's too much. But your footprints you'll see. And as you walk, you'll see a trail of your footprints and they'll fade out over time. But you'll also see the footprints of other visitors. So you can see where they move. And you'll be able to click on their footprints in certain spaces and start a conversation with them.
0: Oh, okay. So you'll be able to see... If there's a group of people gathered around a particular piece of work, you'll have an idea of that. That piece's popularity. Correct. Like, Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want handprints, though, because I want to smudge the paint, right? Yeah, we're, um, we're I, looking I want at it. I a handprint, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you can, because it's not precious. You can scribble over the Mona Lisa, you know.
0: Right, exactly. So that's the VOMA. And when we, did you say when we think it might be, it might be up?
1: I know. Um, it's, I've just found out. It's going to be the 14th of August the
0: 14th of august oh hang on. going
1: longer than i Ready. longer than i thought but it started getting too good to release now i think we can do we can do something really special with a bit of extra time it's worth it when did you start on this oh i don't know a couple of months ago
0: okay so in six months you're going to build a global museum i'm going to yeah. say that's a pretty good timeline yeah, yeah. Don't i think it's realistic
1: <laughs> It's been a lot of work, honestly. Yeah. It's full on.
0: So this is cool because this is something that, that is absolutely accessible. Dependent, and it doesn't matter you know, which end of the beach you're on. You can go to Voma and check it out. But then there's the complete opposite of an online exhibit. Uh, the, the polar opposite, if you will, which was your incredibly physical physically interactive community-building art project in Denver, Mm -hmm. Colorado, in the U.S., called Happy City, right? I mean, I can't think of, I can't, those, the VOMA and Happy City are, I get the similar spirit, but they're absolutely the opposite end, right? The project's purpose was to break down personal, emotional, and social barriers while nurturing individual and collective well-being through art and related programming. In fact, the city of Denver commissioned a retrospective study which I, I read last night, oh, to cool. see if, if these purposes were achieved. And in their study, it showed that your art show, which I want you to describe it real quick, but um, it boosted empathy, altruism, happiness levels, and even reduced feelings of social isolation. Correct. And that's incredible, right? Through Who would have thought it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would have thought it? that? I, I'm sorry I missed it. Can tell us about it
1: well the i don't know i mean where do you start i can tell you There was so much, it was a lot of work. It took a couple of years to build it um, and work on it, but I can talk about some of the pieces. So one of the main pieces was an emotional baggage drop that I built for the main train station, Union Station. And you could go into this kind of booth, a bit like a kind of church confessional, and there was an element of privacy, but you got eye contact with a stranger and you were one-on-one and you just shared a burden with a stranger whilst looking in their eye. Uh, And they said, yeah, I've heard that. Um, thanks for sharing that and uh, that's now released and then they left and then someone else came in and then you heard their issue their problem whatever they were carrying and then uh, what we found was that when people are less fearful of strangers in public space interesting things happen they're more likely to hand in a wallet if they find it on the floor they're more likely to believe people are kind than not kind um, and and a variety of other things so so that piece worked very well then there was um a happiness hq i built which you could come in and color and paint together around tables as a community and then we took um these artificial cloud machines that i make where they let off
0: was amazing
1: yeah Yeah, they're kind of like how do you describe them they're like smiley faces made of clouds that float in the sky that look like smileys um, but we took that to a whole load of neighbourhoods and the outskirts of Denver to bring communities together. Because when people share in an experience, when they're in an experience together, they instantly have a connection. And art does that because art is looked at or experienced by multiple people at the same time. You've got something in common. So the happy clouds tend to do that. Then there were talks and um, I made a giant sculpture for an alleyway which looked like a smiley face that was squashed by the buildings on either side. That's iconic at this
0: point for you. That's an an iconic Stuart Semple piece.
1: It sort of has become a bit like that, hasn't it? It's strange that um, people really seem to relate to that one. But the the idea I had is this idea that when you're being really pushed from every side and you still have to fake this kind of smile for the outside world, um, what is that? And then also deeper than that, that happiness maybe is something internal and it's nothing to do with the outside world there's an inner happiness that's always available um despite what's going on if only we could find it or if only we could remove the layers that stop us experiencing it so it's about that
0: yeah that's it's the whole the whole uh experience at least what i see of it online just looks like you took over denver right you just took over denver and People experienced art in in an immersive way that, can we do that in every city? Would that take a lot of money? Would that, would that take, yes. would we <laughs> do that? I, I would love to every do that. 50,000 people or more gets the simple, right? I would it, love to do that. i like budget for that.
1: Yeah, um, but why aren't cities paying for that? We've proved it works. I, they're not. Oh. They're
0: doing like lame 1% things on buildings. Know. And, you it's, know, it,
1: you, you, it, it really can help.
0: Yeah. So you said something about connecting strangers and swapping fear for connection in public space. Mm-hmm. Swapping fear for connection. Ah, I love those four words together. And it sounds so important. It also sounds so incredibly challenging right now.
1: You mm-hmm.
0: know, when we take a look at, at Happy City and then we see where we are with COVID and you see that that just couldn't happen right now. It just couldn't happen. Like if you put it out there, the fear, the anger, like, how could you ask me to do that? How could you ask me to go into a booth and talk to somebody, you know, less than Mm. six feet away? So post COVID, Mm -hmm. whenever that is 2026 or something, you know, what are your thoughts on, do you think that you'll want to dive back into this big personal happy city type thing even more? Helping people overcome fear and reconnect in the real world. Have you thought at all about the, yeah. the, the need for that? How it's going to be greater than ever? You know, we're going to be oh, afraid 100%. to go to concerts. We're going to be afraid to hang out together. There's going to be so much more fear, anxiety. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There is. There is way more anxiety. And it's interesting when we're looking at, you know, it's it's a bit morbid, but the suicide rates here in the UK have gone up an awful lot during lockdown, right? So we know people are isolated. We know they're disconnected. And we honestly know now where we've been living on Zoom and Google Hangouts that actually a tech connection isn't a real connection. We're social beings. Um, we do need to get in and around one another pretty soon um or we're gonna really suffer so i think we have to think of ways to play with public space in a way that alleviates some of those um very real um fears um because the thing with covid is if you park the conspiracy theories and all the rest of it there really is a virus people really are dying um there is something to be scared of it's not a vague fear um, of something there's, there's, there really is something there now but it's not a fear of strangers or a fear of the other it's a fear of the virus but the danger is when that fear gets put onto fear of the other fear of the stranger fear of other human beings um, and that's what we've got to watch out <gasps> for I think
0: I, I agree you know when we when we uh, we're really good at being afraid of the other we're really good at, at uh, identifying a common enemy and then coming together as a people, right? That's when I say it brings out the best of us, you know, 9-11 or mm-hmm. these great wars. And, eh, you know, what is the best of us? It's sort of an interesting thing, you know, to think that the best of us is when we come together uh, to fight, right? Mm. And with COVID, there it is. It's this invisible thing that's everywhere that turns people, you know, when you're afraid of your own friends and family. Oh, my my mate coming over. I don't know. You know, should he come over? Should she come over? Have they been on lockdown? Have they been isolated? Who do they know? Oh, you know, exactly. Um, it's crazy. So, in your career, you've dealt so much. And correct me if I, I'm not. When I say that you've done this or you've done that, if I'm interpreting something wrong, say actually I haven't done that. Okay. Yeah. don't misrepresent me. But you okay. dealt a lot with fear, anxiety, yeah. and loneliness. And COVID is the ultimate enhancer of all three of these. Yes. So given that you paid so much attention to those items, have you learned anything new about fear, anxiety, loneliness, you know, watching as you are, um, a whole world experience them simultaneously?
1: Yeah. So I haven't learned anything new. I don't think the nature of fears changed. I don't think the nature of isolation's changed. Um, we've just seen more of it. Um, and interestingly, as you said, how we come together around a common enemy is one of the first times ever that the whole world, in fact, is all after one thing, this virus. Um, it's united everything. It's the, the level of innovation in science. Suddenly labs are collaborating. Google are talking to Apple about making apps. I mean, they never talked to each other before, you know. So um, it's interesting. It's interesting in that our worst times, we realise kind of we're not an island and we do need each other but it's very difficult when you have to be physically removed so I don't really know i mean no I, I i everything happened how I thought it would humans reacted how I expected um yeah I didn't learn something new
0: so it just reinforced what you know and and would you say that it puts you are you do you feel that you're body of work um resonates even more now you know or that your path forward you're more confident that that addressing these subjects is what the world needs from you well i
1: think in a strange way and it's a horrible thing to say i'm quite lucky because strangely a lot of what i've been doing for a very long time is suddenly relevant and people are suddenly sort of understanding what i meant um And it's, oh, yeah, like, he did make something about how social media and isolation and, oh, I understand what you mean now. At the time, it felt very much like a lot of what I was doing was really out of turn. Like, it was odd. A few people kind of got it. Um, But I'm hoping maybe it shows, like the Happy City, that there are things that we can do. And maybe it inspires other artists to work a bit more in, in that way, that they understand that art can actually be useful um, and provide a sort of social function that artists aren't just here to make ourselves feel better, that we can actually contribute something. Um, and that's what we need to be doing.
0: I read an interview you did um, in Assemblage magazine and it made me smile and it made me laugh. I actually was uh, laughing last night um, before I went to bed because you're just in the, in the interview, you're so sincere, um, almost... It comes across, and I think that maybe you're just doing this, as this almost naive sincerity and desire to share and have the art world be a community of open-source-minded people, right? And then, you know, I know you've talked and shared this topic to death, but just pit it against, you know, someone who, uh, a particular artist who's like, I don't want to share. Okay. I'm going to take this thing for myself and, and and keep it away from the rest of the community. And the contrast between that approach... Uh, it is so interesting to me. So, because a lot of the members of the Super Nice Club may have no familiarity at all with um, Anish Kapoor, I'm, I'm sure they know you. But, uh, <laughs> what you do us the honor of, probably... briefly, <laughs>
1: okay.
0: of, of briefly, just briefly, seriously, because you guys, this is an interesting story and it gets to uh, the dynamics within the art world that are worth exploring. You can do it on your own time um, and you should. But, I just would, I'm asking you to explain the, the great pink and black controversy
1: yeah so um for those of you that don't know anish kapoor is a british artist but he's also on the sunday times rich list so he's one of the richest human beings in this country he also um is an artist a very successful artist he's he's a knight he, he's a great artist. He's a great um, artist. I get yeah. full
0: credit And because I know you're listening. You're a great artist. Yeah. So <laughs> that's so he not makes, the question here.
1: Yeah, it's not a question. So, so he makes great art. Um, people who live in Chicago probably know Cloud Gate a.k.a. The Bean, um, a sculpture he made there. He's, 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 he's an important artist. But anyway, a few years ago, a company, uh, sort of a tech company, ...found a way to coat things with this super black material. It was the blackest black ever created. It was called Black, And this stuff absorbs just under 100% of visible light. 99.8% or something. Um, what that means if you can picture it, is if you paint it on something, it looks like a hole's been cut out in the world, like it's a portal or something. Anyway, Anish Kapoor signed an agreement with them to be the only artist in the world to be able to make art with black, And the art community got very upset about that because they felt that colours should be owned by everybody. They couldn't be owned by one person, it's a colour. Like it's actually not even that, it's the absence of light. How can one man control the absence of light? Um, and I felt that was very mean as well. I felt that was wrong and goes against the generosity of what art should do. So, um, I've been making my own paints for, well, ever almost (laughs) to use in my paintings and my work because I wanted really bright colors that I couldn't really get in the art shop. Um, so I had this stuff, the pinkest pink, and it was really, really pink. And I thought, um it'd be really cool to share that with all artists in the world, almost the opposite of Black. So I put it up on my website with a sort of disclaimer. So to buy The Pink is Pink, you had to agree that you weren't Anish Kapoor, you weren't going to share it with Anish Kapoor, and to the best of your knowledge, information and belief, it wouldn't make its way into the hands of Anish Kapoor. And the idea was it'd be a piece of performance art, and it would be about accessibility and elitism, and I distributed it for what it cost me to make make the colour. Um... Anyway, it went completely viral. It totally blew up. And thousands and thousands and thousands of artists supported it and bought the pink and used it. And Ish Kapoor also broke the rules on the website and got the pink. He dipped his middle finger in the pink and he posted on Instagram, up yours pink. Um, and then a big debate came out. No, it wasn't nice. nice. Yeah. No, it wasn't super nice at all. It's kind of horrible. Uh, and then everybody kind of hated him even more after that. And then... It ultimately led, I suppose, just to cut a long story a bit short, to me working um, with a team and the art community to create a black paint for everybody that was almost as good as black, a couple of percent less absorbent. but. Unlike his, which costs thousands and thousands of dollars and you have to coat it in a vacuum chamber and it's really toxic. um, I share it for what it costs me to make it on the website and you can paint it on with a brush and it costs like £10. Um, And anyone apart from him can use it. So that was the result. And um, we uh, worked with the community over Kickstarter. We crowdfunded the paint and uh, we all made the paint together. And now we've all got the paint. And that's a beautiful thing.
0: It's a great story to check out, you guys. And even if you're not into paint or art, the science of this black, uh, the rabbit hole you can go down on the science. I, I learned about a bird in New Guinea that is just about as black as Anish Kapoor's black, you know, yeah. and that's free. If you can catch the bird, <laughs> the you've, got, you've got some serious black. Um, yeah. what nature does to create these to create these blacks and the process um carbon nanotubes all this stuff i don't mean to geek out but if there's a science geek in you at all check out just google blackest paint and sure. you'll run into cool science you'll also run into a niche you'll also run into stewart it's a lot of fun and you don't have anything else to do because it's COVID, <laughs> yeah right? so just, there you go just, just do that now I I may have been dreaming, but I thought I saw something, and I couldn't find a reference to it, where you were giving away some of your Black Mm. 3.0 to do with Black Lives Matter. Yeah, sure. Did you dream that? No,
1: no, I did. Um, It was actually Black 2.0, but um, I just decided we should distribute 1,000 bottles, um, really just for people to use to express themselves. Um, A lot of people were using the black paint to make protest banners anyway um and i felt that it would be quite important that the material was available for that so we we just gave away a load of bottles to people who needed it really
0: oh that's great thanks for doing that no that's (laughs) terrific so thank you for covering that i know you've you've covered that hundreds of times at least but appreciate it it is a great story and you're gonna have to tell it probably the rest of your life you did a show, Change of Gears, in, yeah. in my city, in LA.
1: Yeah, I did.
0: Called, called My Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. And can't really get into describing all the artwork. What I really want to know about that show is have you ever met Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth? No. <laughs> Man, I want to hear you say that she came out to this show.
1: No, she's, I will. It's a
0: so legendary. That's yeah. all. I just didn't know no. she was a fan of her music or, you know.
1: No, no. no. Yeah.
0: So, what's your take? on the future of the the, the artist gallery
1: relationship you have seen that <laughs> that's the big one question it's it's a big I could get question. in trouble with this um, It's okay well it depends some let me think it's a lot like musicians with record labels and there was a time where artists really needed support to make their work and record labels invested in that and helped nurture the work. And they did it for the sake of the work. Then it became quite commercialized. It became very corporate and artists realized they couldn't really make their best work in that sort of arrangement. So they looked for other ways to distribute the things they made. And we've seen in the UK Stormzy, but we've certainly seen people like Jay-Z couldn't get a record deal. Um, it didn't seem to do him any harm so we've seen people branch out on their own and I think we're going to see a lot more of that there's a place for galleries but at the end of the day they're, they're in the business of selling art so they're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place because they're looking after the artist's interest and the art collector's interest and they're wearing two hats and that's always going to be problematic because they're always going to have to come down on one side of the line or the other And when you've got lights to keep on and bills to pay and staff to pay, the side of the line they're going to land on won't be the artists, in my opinion, most of the time. So the beautiful thing we have now is we have the the internet. And this is a way that artists can talk directly to their communities and share ideas. And I think that's very frightening um, to an old model that... um, mediates the relationship between what an artist makes and the person that ultimately consumes it Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um and personally i believe in freedom of expression so i think artists should have the freedom to do what they like not what they're told to do
0: and you come from a background really your career kicked off through ebay fair Mm. fair to say yeah absolutely you know Um, so people didn't have to see them in the real world. They didn't have to sniff them, touch them, hold them in order to find them um, valuable enough to purchase. Yeah. So I think that that probably influenced your take because it was proven to you right away that people didn't need to stand inside a gallery to appreciate what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's true. But then I, I'm a hypocrite because I put works in posh galleries and they sell and I, I eat.
0: There was a time when I had a, uh, is a different life but I had an art gallery, and it was part of – it was actually a, a winery uh, and an art gallery. It was at a time when juxtapose was the big thing over here, yeah. you know, that whole scene, the, the lowbrow yeah. art. So yeah. we brought people in from, from all over the world uh, to show in there, and we had zero commission. We had zero we wow. percent commission. Um, we would run ads in, in juxtapose and, and things like that. And I still like that model because if you had – because we made the money on the wine, Right. Yeah. Okay. It was cool. Kind of lost it was marketing. It's like, Hey, this is a differentiator for your business. And I'm sure we're not the only ones, but I still kind of like that model of, of using a gallery and uh, the relationship with the artists to boost your other enterprises. That way you don't need to take a commission from the artist at all because they're helping your core business. Yeah. And in, in our case, it just happened to be a winery. It could be, it could be anything. To a degree, in L.A., there's, um, what is it, uh, the the Soap Factory, Billy Shire's Place. You know, it's a toy store, it's a bookstore, all that. Mm -hmm. He probably still takes commission there, but I wouldn't see the need to, given that the gallery itself is a pull for the rest of the place. Mm -hmm. As far as real-world galleries go, I'm an an advocate of that, you know, just because it's… Something I experienced.
1: Yeah, no, I think there are different ways. Um, and interestingly, I think crowdfunding is very interesting for artists. I think something like Kickstarter has enabled a lot of creative work um, where the community supports the artist. The fans fund the work that the fans enjoy. I think there's something really joined up about that.
0: Kickstarter, Voma. There was a question. I want to go back to that real quick. So yeah. Voma. Which, you're launching for virtually nothing. Your Kickstarter request was, like, very small um, for your team. You guys are doing this. As, clearly, it's a passion play. Yeah. Are you sure. going to have memberships? I, I would pay an annual membership. You would? Like, well, we are thinking about it. I mean,
1: we, 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 do you know what? We, we've just been so focused on getting the doors open for everybody, but... We, we are going to have to do something to keep it going. So yeah, I was kind exactly. of hoping, I was kind of hoping to go, sounds a bit weird, but I was hoping loads of people turn up, the server crashes, and then I go to the Arts Council cap in hand and ask for a little bit of money to keep it going. It was kind of my game plan financially.
0: <laughs> now we'll pay, we'll pay memberships, I'm sure we will. Well,
1: um, if someone donates, I, I sort of thought maybe like we could have a little donation thing and you could leave a dollar on your way out or something if you enjoy it. That might be enough to keep it going. It doesn't need much. It's not like a normal museum, you see. We don't need a whole heap of money to keep it on and to do it. Once it's built, it's built. So it's just, it should be doable, I reckon.
0: Oh, I'm excited about it. Stuart, what we do with the Super Nice Club is we have with each, we kind of wrap up the the talks with a challenge that Mm -hmm. our guests issue to the Super Nice Club members. It's just called the, Mm -hmm. check this out crazy it's called the super nice club challenge
1: it's quite original isn't it <laughs>
0: Yeah, i know right and what it is is it's something that you ask them to do to try to make their world a little nicer you know a, a new habit uh, an action just something that they can take on
1: i've got to think do they actually do it
0: I don't know. Okay. I mean, sometimes, sometimes people report you, back to me that they? they did. I asked them to. I like post social proof, okay. but they don't listen to me. You guys don't listen to me. I don't know why.
1: Okay, we need we need evidence um, yeah, that they're, get, they're evidence. doing it. Um, and
0: if, if you post evidence onto the Super Nice Club uh, social media feed and tag Stuart, then you will get free access to Voma.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, we'll, we'll, we'll do that
0: It's free, right?
1: It's already yeah. free <laughs> yeah, so they're not yeah. actually winning anything
0: No, no, um, no, you know, come on We're
1: not bribing people to be nice They should no. just be nice anyway um, no. What I want them to do If I could get them to do anything That would make the world a happier place Can I be a bit weird?
0: Yeah, please
1: Okay I want them to close their eyes And set a clock for five minutes I want them to watch their breath for two minutes, and then think about someone they really love that they haven't spoken to for a while, and then when their clock runs out after five minutes, I want them to ring that person and tell them one thing they really like about them.
0: Da, great. Okay, that's the challenge. <laughs> Close your eyes.
1: Watch your Get breath centered. for three minutes. Yeah.
0: Get centered. Think about someone that pops to mind that you love think about them, let that energy flow and then give them a call. Okay. That's the challenge. That's a great challenge. Um, let's see. I'm not sure how you guys can post social proof, but that's the creative part of it. The creative part of it is to, they could just say they did it
1: and we could believe it. it. Say who who you did it to. That would work. I, I, I rang my gran or I rang my old uni friend or something. That'd be perfect.
0: Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Stuart. Thanks a lot for that it's one. what? Right. And then we wrap it where we flip the interviewer around to where you get to ask a question of me. One question, any question.
1: Why do you do the podcast?
0: The Super Nice Club podcast, um, I do it because I've always been drawn to people who are really passionate about what they do no matter what that is if they can dive into the reasons why they love their work I tend to be fascinated whether that person is a carpenter uh, a sign maker an actor uh, it doesn't matter what they do that fires me up it fires me up to be more interested in not only what they do and then all of a sudden I learn a lot of, uh, a lot topically you know I learned a lot of surface information about their career which makes me great at trivia later. But then I get more fired up for my own work. And I'm like, gosh, I want to have that same. Am I as aligned as they are with theirs? If I'm not, what's wrong with me? How do I get? I want to be like that. So this podcast is my way of sharing that. I bring people like yourself in who are fired up about what they're doing, who are doing neat things with it, even if they're not popular things. You happen to be someone who has an impact around the world, but some of the guests just have an impact around their home and family and friends. That's okay. So that's why we do it, to, to share to share these stories, to share these examples of nice work.
1: That's a beautiful thing to do. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, so thank you for sharing yours. Really appreciate it. And look forward to uh, to seeing what you do next. Look forward to seeing how you help us post-COVID maintain real-world social cohesion mm. and connectivity because, man, we're gonna—we're really gonna need to be taught to not be afraid. We need help.
1: Cool. Well, I hope I can work something out. I'll do—I'll do what I can.
0: All right, Stuart. Thanks for talking. Thanks for being on. Nice oh, work. Oh,
1: thanks for having thank me. No, it was really fun. Thank you.
0: So there you have it. Nice work with Stuart. Semple. Did I not say he's the nicest guy? Don't you just wanna go check out his work right now on stuartsample.com? I'm not trying to sell his work to you, because most of us can't afford it, but I am trying to sell Stuart to you. I'm trying to sell the idea of these nice, amazing artists who are woefully underfunded all around the world, okay? And their work changes people, changes lives, changes perspectives. Changing perspective is, is such a, a huge part of changing narrative. And, and changing conversations and creating real conversations right, among people who have heretofore been divided. This is why Stuart's so important. This is why artists who are also activists are so important. Artists who aren't just making uh, interior decor, which is cool too, but that's more craft. All right, There's a division between art and craft. Both are amazing. Stuart Semple's an artist. I hope you like this show. If you have any feedback, if you have uh, um, ideas, right, for how to make this show better, how to get uh, some great guests, let us know. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Super Nice Club. Uh, You can email me, Todd, T-O-D, at superniceclub.com. Call me. Call me anytime. Uh, Phone numbers everywhere. And what else? Oh, we have a store, superniceclub.com. We have shirts and hats and um, uh, a lot of fixtures for your bathroom, Uh, mostly just the... the these things, because I'm in a bathroom right now. The handrail for putting your towels on? Towel racks. We have towel racks, Super Nice Club towel racks. They're engraved, laser etched, uh, Anish Kapoor designed. So you can get those at superniceclub.com. Super nice, simple for 15% off any towel rack, uh, but not the brass ones. Are they bronze? They're bronze. Yeah, bronze casting super expensive. Super expensive. Can't do any discounts on that. I'm, I've lost a lot of money on those so far. Thank you so much, and stay nice, everyone. I'm a rifle and as soon as war I'm cruising closing my account at the angry store. just want to be nice And baby, that's the world. That's why I'm joining the Super Nice Club So come on in, the water is warm You and I can wait out this
1: passing storm Just want to be nice And baby, that's the world.